Sean Stevenson has been a medical researcher for over 20 years. He's also an author and the host of the Model Health Show. In this show, we discuss one of the most polarizing and politicized topics in the world right now, masks. We go over dozens of nuanced and often conflicting results of the available clinical trials and ultimately point to the undeniable fact that the best way to prevent dis-ease is to get back to the basics of human health. Whatever your opinion on mass might be, I invite you to embrace the understanding that science is not a singular narrative. It is precisely the art of asking questions and gathering information. For science to evolve as it always does, the prevailing theories of the consensus must evolve as well. I hope you all enjoy the show. But before we get started, I wanted to talk to you about Blue Blocks. Now, if you've read my book, Own the Day, or listened to Sean Stevenson or Ben Greenfield or anybody who's talking about how to optimize for sleep, you understand that the blue light spectrum is something that's antagonistic to the production of melatonin in the body. So melatonin is the hormone that signals, hey, it's time to sleep. It's time to restore the body. And Sean Stevenson, above everyone else who wrote the book Sleep Smarter, knows how very much sleep is important to all different facets of our life. Well, if we're not producing enough melatonin, then we're not going to be tired and it's going to be more difficult for us to fall asleep. And one of the great options that we have available is just to wear glasses like blue blocks. Now, the blue light blocking glasses, they're not always the best looking glasses until blue blocks came along. And they actually made dope glasses. Like these are glasses that I would wear even if they weren't functional because they look good. And I like wearing kind of colored glasses, yellow glasses or red glasses, but they also have some traditional looking glasses that are still blocking a lot of that blue light spectrum. Australian made, super high quality. And it's just a great option to help optimize for sleep and get yourself in the most optimal condition possible. So Visit blueblocks.com slash amp. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com slash amp. Use the code amp at checkout and you'll get 15% off any of the glasses. That's blueblocks.com forward slash amp for 15% off. Sean Stevenson, my brother. Welcome to the show. It's so good to talk to you, man. I've been really enjoying seeing everything you've been putting out. I appreciate it, bro. Every opportunity I have to connect with you, man, it's always a good time. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a little while since we got to meet up in person, but hopefully we'll change that here pretty soon. I know, man. The world is very different from the last time we hung out. I think we were getting like some Thai food. <laughs> that's right. Life was just so easy. Although we made it hard. That's the funny thing is like even when things are easy, we'll make it hard. We'll be, we'll oh, be worried yeah. about some triviality, something in our social life that's bothering us, something about our, some nagging issue with our health, or maybe our, the airplane flight was wrong in some way. And now it's like, oh, can we have a little perspective? <laughs> everything was easy. Right. That's the nature of the human mind. You know, like we are hardwired to look for problems. You know, we kind of evolved that way. And I get it. Of course, it's helped us through our evolution. But it can definitely gum up the system for sure, you know? Yeah. And that's the great thing about how we evolved over time as well. Like we get to this place as a species where we can realize like, okay, in retrospect, life isn't so bad. Like we have easy access to food, to to, to people, community. Well, not so much now. But, you know, my living structures are taken care of. 
You know, especially here in America, we are so fortunate. Even the the in poverty, you probably have two TVs. You know, yeah. you probably have a bed to sleep on. You know, you probably have access to food. Not to not to say that it's the best food, but we have a lot of our basic needs met. And so what happens when the mind isn't taking care of necessities? It starts to wander and you have to direct it. If you don't, it's going to be caught up into the the stream of, you know, popular consciousness, you know, which right now it is very much based on fear. It's very much, much based on you against me. You know, it's, it's, even though it's been kind of positioned as, you know, don't be selfish. It's not about you. We're really scared as shit of other human beings right now, you know, and it's just, you see it, I see it. And we have to look at, is this a healthy behavior? Very basic question. And how do we go about this in a more intelligent fashion? And that's all we want to do. And I know you come from the same place. How do we go about this in an intelligent fashion where we don't cause massive rates of agoraphobia that people right now, and I, and I, I know this for certain, and I'm, again, talking to the top psychiatrists in the world, epidemiologists, economists, all everybody agrees there are going to be hundreds of million people, hundreds of millions of people with PTSD from this, long lasting, especially kids. So what can we do to circumvent that? And that's what it's really about. The thing that people aren't talking about at all are the other costs associated and i think that's because fear takes prior such priority in our own mind and when we're afraid we want to just discard everything that would actually push us into that fear anything that might say wait why are we doing this is this really worth it let's take a look at all of the increase in child trafficking child abuse increase in suicidality increase in all of these things and maybe let's look at all of the money that we're spending to lock down that could actually i don't know end world hunger i mean estimates are that that takes 400 billion to do you know getting clean water for the world that's another couple hundred billion well guess what we just dropped two trillion you know to lock everything down maybe we could have just had completely ended world hunger and food and saved tens of millions of lives a year but we don't want to look at that because those people are in a different place and we want to pretend like oh i care about all people i'm really about the impoverished and the poor really well what about all of these resources that we're not spending to help them as they're dying all over the world and this is just exacerbating it so it's fine to have whatever opinion you want but to close your eyes with blinders and not look at everything that's that's cowardly you know we have to with open eyes say okay we're doing this because i'm scared and i think my life is more important than any other lives out there and that's why i'm doing it and i'm okay with it and if anybody says that to me i'm like well okay good for you that's a choice i don't agree with you on a moral stance but nonetheless you've thought through things and you have a reasonable position you're not closing your eyes and you know that's your choice yeah i love that so much man you know, if we can come to, to a place where we are doing just that and we're just being able to, to see what's happening in our inner world, our inner dialogue, and just say, honestly, that's how I feel. But unfortunately, we are using our very evolved executive minds to rationalize emotionally based decisions. That's what, what, what most people are doing right now. And they have yeah. no idea that they're doing it. And it gets to this concept of these cognitive biases and self-serving biases and these are also terms, like I said, we have such a change in lexicon right now. People are talking about droplets. 
They're talking about aerosols. They're talking about super spreading. Super spreaders. You're a super spreader. We got I am. I held, I held hands. I held hands with some people, Sean. And I posted a picture about it. We we're out in a beautiful place out in Tahoe in a clearing. And we we're making a prayer for ourselves in the collective and looking up at the Sky Father and down at the Earth Mother and feeling connected as a tribe, as one. And people are commenting, I can't believe you're endorsing that super spreader behavior. And I'm like, oh no <laughs> oh no this goes like i was just watching uh this show on amazon i think th they were doing marketing it's like a kind of twisted superhero show it's called the boys have you okay. heard about this no, i haven't so it's basically like if superheroes you know like superman captain america batman if we have these superheroes but they have really deep-seated mental health issues basically <laughs> Right, so that's the premise of the show. Yeah. And they were doing marketing, the company that runs the superheroes, social media campaigns, for example. And they were like, what's better, uh, super villain or super terrorist, right? <laughs> you put the super on there, you got super spreaders, we have super predators. And mm -hmm. it just, again, it speaks to that kind of visceral fear. You're not just a spreader, you're a super spreader. Super spreader. Again, but what these things are doing is we're just deflecting we're deflecting from the major issue here, which, you know, you kind of brought this up already. We are, unfortunately, these things existed prior, but, and, and many people, this is why my career even exists. I have 20 years of experience in this field, being a research scientist, 10 years as a clinician. I got into this field because the field of health and wellness was fucked up. It yep. is fucked up. And that's no surprise. Like, and I have proof. Every chronic disease continues to rise every year. Not one has been taken care of. Like we're talking about the top 10, heart mm -hmm. disease, cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's, obesity, right here and in America. And don't forget loneliness, which is also on the rise, Man. which is, you know, the number one predictor of early mortality when you look at the meta-analyses. Loneliness. And what are we doing now? I don't know, making people way fucking more lonely. <laughs> you know you what's know? so crazy is that right before the pandemic, the former U.S. Surgeon General reached out to me because he has a new book. And I don't know what happened with the book. Everything's the whole world changed since then. But he was wanting to talk with me because the former U.S. Surgeon Vivek General. Murthy? Yes. Yeah. So he was like, the biggest issue facing our society today is loneliness. Yeah, and he, he didn't want to ignore loneliness. that. He says that loneliness is worse than smoking a pack of cigarettes every day. That's one of his quotes. Like that's a profound more... thing. And he has data points to back it yeah. up. And that's the thing. It's like, unfortunately, we have to be convinced of things that we would know rationally, you know, right now. It's like, but even right now, because of our cognitive biases, we can miss these data points. But, you know, as I was saying, here in America, and it's difficult for us to really wrap our minds around what I'm about to say, but this is the reality. We have almost 200 million people here in America who, e who are either overweight or obese. Whoa. 200 million. It's like we can't, that number is so large, we can't really even understand. We are a, we are in an, an innately sick society right now, like a deeply, deeply sick society. And on top of that, about 125 million people have diabetes or prediabetes. Right now in America, 125 million people. We have a very, and again, 
I'm only bringing up those two because those are most easily associated. I don't have to hit a bunch of data points to understand that those are largely lifestyle driven. So when I'm talking about diabetes, I'm talking about specifically type two diabetes. Used to be Mm -hmm. called adult onset diabetes until now we have this massive shift in generation with children getting type two diabetes right now because of the way that our society is structured. We have a very innately sick society. Now, on top of that, on top of that issue itself, and anybody can do this. Please, everybody that's that's listening or watching, I invite you to triple check me. You can go to Johns Hopkins right now and look this study up. It came out in 2018, but I've been talking about this for 10 years, but it's just one of the newer studies because the data is available if we want to look at it. The number one cause of death in the United States, heart disease. It's been the reigning champion for a long time. Cancer is right behind it. Third leading cause of death is death by medical intervention. The third leading cause of death is having an interaction, an unfortunate interaction with conventional medicine. So this could be a misdiagnosis in, um, in treatment, in, in drugs, uh, negligence. Basically, your, your third, the third leading cause of death is being treated by conventional medicine. That, that you're more likely to die from going to the doctor than you are to die from fill in the blank. And we have to really understand that our system of medicine is incredible when it comes to emergency medicine. But here's the problem. We can transplant a fucking heart into somebody else's body, but we don't know how to keep a heart healthy within a single person. Do you understand the logic here? Like we can tinker, like we get so far bigger than our britches. You know, like we have fucking airplanes, we have electric cars, but our greatest defense against uh, the spread of an infectious disease is to put a thin layer of fabric on our face. That's our, our best protection. Do you understand the logic there? Like it's, we're, we're very, we're, we think we're so evolved because we can do some really cool and amazing things, absolutely, but we don't have the basics covered, right? And here's one, I'm just going to point this out really quickly. We're talking about the heart, for example, and heart disease. It's a fundamental question. And I've literally, I've talked with the top and worked with the top cardiologists in America, all right? And they will tell you with their own mouths. So the heart, and this is again, very logical, your heart is made out of the food that you eat. Your heart is literally made, it's the, the cells of the heart itself are made from the food that you eat. Isn't food kind of important? But they will tell you they get next to no information or training or education in nutrition. It makes no sense. The thing that your heart, the very stuff it's made of, we don't have any training on that. But I can give you a statin. I can give you lisinopril. Our system is fucked up. And it's not like suddenly amazing now that the pandemic has happened. It's the same system. It's the same system that doesn't know, you know, it's ass from a cupcake. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> That's probably never, I don't know. But I don't know. Yeah, some asses kind of look like cupcakes. I, could get, I get it. You could get confused if you're really hungry. Super spread those cupcakes. <laughs> we could continue with that joke probably for a while, but we'll spare everybody. You know, what this, what this pandemic the opportunity is for people to say, oh, wow, you know, most of the people who are being 
dramatically negatively affected have a pre-existing medical condition you know i don't know you might know the actual stats of that but it's an incredibly high number of people who are dying and really suffering in a negative way they have a pre-existing medical condition why don't we use this as an opportunity to double down and start focusing on eliminating pre-existing medical conditions let's make a national campaign about obesity about metabolic health about immune system health about all of the things we're eating the water we're drinking the sun that we're getting the nourishment that we get from our community so that we don't feel lonely because it's the perception of loneliness that actually is the deleterious effect it's not how many people you're around it's that how many people can really see you and see your heart and you can see theirs and you feel held in that container let's focus on these things that nourish health but as you said that's not been what the typical narrative is it's stay away from fucking people six feet apart and put these face coverings on don't touch anything keep your hands out of your mouth even though it's your mouth like keep them all out you know if you're gonna have sex with somebody in british columbia use a glory hole that's legitimately what <laughs> British Columbia real. said. And thanks for posting that. Use yeah. a glory hole? What? Yeah. Well, no, government should never say the word glory hole. I'm sorry. <laughs> that should just be to- out of their lexicon entirely. <laughs> but that's, that's what's been happening. So, you know, one yeah. of the things, of course, I want to get into here is, you know, there's all of the productive things we could do for our health. And that's what your entire show is about. So we won't go too deep into that. Maybe touch it a little bit. But let's talk about all of these other suggestions that people are out there in in the public zeitgeist that you're uncovering through all of your research it's not really even working it's not even like it's a good strategy you know so the strategy they're discarding is terrible which is take care of your own health but the strategy people are adopting is not even effective right just that's the thing at the end of the day just look at the results and everybody's just infighting and finger pointing when the approach itself is the problem so I got to I got to definitely point out what you just talked about really quickly. Mm-hmm, of course. Um right now and I, again I was talking about this back in March and April and very early on in this because I was looking at the data coming out of Italy and I was in touch with people who are who are uh working in that construct in Italy and being able to say like wait a minute why aren't people talking about this more? We because Italy was really the place to kind of get the 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 the, the brunt of some of the big escalating number of cases and deaths. And they're basically, they're kind of U.S. Surgeon General equiv- uh, equivalent there, came out very early and was saying in multiple media reports, like, hey, we have these rising number of deaths, but 88% of these folks have one or over 50% of the time, two or more chronic diseases, and they're dying. They do have COVID. We've confirmed that they have COVID, but we don't know for certain that they died from COVID. They they have these conditions. And we also have an accelerated uh, number of, of aging population here as well that we're not taking into account here. And in some instances, folks, the, their lifespan dying from COVID, uh, their expected lifespan was shorter than the amount of time that they died from COVID, if that makes sense. So the expected lifespan might be, you know, mm. 78 and they died from, the average was like dying from 79 with COVID. So yeah. here's the thing. So I was looking at that data then and talking about it like, hey, we need to consider this. This is really important. We see that the number one risk factor is having a chronic disease, a pre-existing chronic illness. Let's attack this. Like let's, this, let's use this as a chance to truly get our citizens healthier. It's the number one risk factor. But then I would hear our colleagues in the medical profession saying, 
Sean, you're right. Unfortunately, we just can't get people healthier overnight. We can't get people's immune system healthier overnight. Aha. Aha. So I just immediately, I've got data on top of data on top of data. And I wanted to find a specific point because there's so many different aspects of immunity that I could talk about, and which mm-hmm. I did, and I've been putting out there. But one of the big ones, and I thought was so fascinating because the FDA has already fast-tracked medications as they're looking for you know vaccines and drugs to specifically target natural killer cells because they found that natural killer cells, our natural killer cells, are very... Uh, uh, adequate and and effective at killing coronavirus or cove SARS-CoV-2 infected cells. Okay, so our they natural should have called cells. them super killer cells, and then super, people would have paid attention. Super predator killer terrorist <laughs> yeah. cells. Then then that would have worked. They just had a bad branding campaign. <laughs> <laughs> so the FDA has already cleared, fast tracked medications for NK cell targeted um, uh, medicine. So listen to this. So when they were saying, well, we can't get people healthier overnight, listen to this. Study conducted at Appalachian State University found that simply going for a fucking walk causes a dramatic increase in the production and activity of your natural killer cells. Just going for a short 20-minute walk, we get these enhancements in immune performance. But again, they were saying you can't make changes overnight. So that's just one point. It was like, well, that's a walk. It's temporary, whatever. But that should be fucking news on every news channel in every place. All right, we've discovered that natural killer cells are actually very important in fighting this disease and also any other disease, by the way. And we've found that just simply taking a walk can improve it. So there should have been campaigns. Take a walk, take a walk, take a walk. People wearing shirts, take a walk, going around to their neighbors and saying like, hey, you guys should take a walk. Maybe we should go walk together. We can distance if we want, whatever. But let's go all walk our dogs together. It would be massive walking campaigns and rallying together. Unfortunately, that didn't happen though. Exactly. That is my point exactly right there, man. So again, social distance and walk. Wear a mask and walk. At least, at least couple them together. But the right. thing that we know to be true, the thing that we know, our genes expect us to move. The human body requires movement. We're required to walk and we are sicker than ever. People are less active than ever as a result of this. That's just one data point. Also, this was published in Psychoneuroendocrinology. Found that sleep deprivation directly reduces the production and performance of your natural killer cells. One night. So... This is so important, again, because they're saying, well, you can't overnight, literally overnight, you could fuck your immune system up. We most often get sick when we're sleep deprived, when we're malnutritioned, we're overstressed. And there's another data point for the stress component. So this was published in the peer-reviewed journal Stress and Health, found significant correlation between the capacity of individuals to cope with stress and their natural killer cell activity. Folks who don't cope well with stress have significantly lower natural killer cell activity. Your natural killer cells are very good at killing SARS-CoV-2 infected cells, but we fuck them up when we're stressed. So as most of you know, I'm the founder of Onnit, and for a long time I was the CEO. I stepped down as the CEO of Onnit, and now I run a little small business, and I actually sublease my own office inside of the Onnit complex where I run my business out of. And for my small business, I signed up for Stamps.com because I still send mail all the time. And 
it's so much easier to do this with the digital option of stamps.com than actually having to go and acquire tangible stamps that you lick. I mean, what is what is even on the stamps that you lick? I don't know. It, it tastes like something, but I don't think anybody's like they've disclosed like what you're licking is actually this or that. I don't know. Maybe it's great for you. Maybe it's fucking awesome. Maybe it's not. I'm not even sure. But either way, it's so much easier just to do this digitally and stamps.com makes it as convenient as possible. So if you run a small business or even if you run a big business, stamps.com is the solution. It's the no-brainer. It's going to save you time. It's going to save you money. It's just the best option flat out. So any listeners here have access to a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. So you just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in AMP to access that offer. So once again, stamps.com and enter the code AMP. Are people more or less stressed right now, Aubrey? Fucking way more stress. Come on, man. This is just they're just piling it on. Everywhere you look, there's another new death count. If you type in any three-digit number and then cases afterwards, you're gonna get some kind of article out talking about how many cases, how many deaths you can anybody can try that. I encourage you to do it. Type in blah 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 cases and you'll find it. Doesn't matter. It's we're canvassed with it in every direction that we look. And obviously, something that that's scary that's been beating out death toll, death toll, death toll. It's just going to increase stress. And then we deny ourselves human connection. We deny ourselves the ability to go about our life in a typical way. We deny parents the ability to have their kids go to school. We deny the kids the ability to go play with other kids at school. Of course, we're fucking stressed. We're the most stressed ever. And what does that do? So this is all adding to this overall, what I call it, your overall stress load. And so it's making people far more susceptible, not just to COVID-19, but to all manner of infectious diseases. Now, here's a really important takeaway for everybody today. And it's so overlooked. And this is what's really, this is this kind of stuff is so fascinating to me because I would think that this would be common knowledge. Right now, every one of us, we have upwards of I don't know, 400 trillion virus particles in, our, in and on our bodies right now. Not to mention the trillions of bacteria cells as well. Uh, Fungi, we've got so much happening in in and on our bodies. So a lot of people know about the microbiome, but we also have what's known as the human virome. And the human virome is this kind of collection of viruses that we all have. And this virome is actually the, the sort of the root development of our immune system as well. So our immune system really evolved as viruses because, you know, we were not what we are today, viruses facing off against other viruses. As we know that bacteria kind of evolved to create our mitochondria, for example. Mm-hmm. So viruses are a big part of our evolution. They're required for our evolution. And when they did the Human Genome Project, they found that, and they were this really you know, fucked them up, about 8% of the human genome is endogenous retroviruses. So the thing that we, we see ourselves as human, we're 8%. Our genome is 8% viruses, but we are just, it's, a, it's become this huge twisted kind of fear and, and not understanding our innate interaction and requirement to have viruses. And so we did this with bacteria. We became this very antibacterial world, right? And then we knew, oh, wait, wait we went a little bit far there with all the antibiotics and now we're creating these super strains. We're fucking up our microbiome. 
we're doing the same thing. It's like this whole thing is repeating again. So how do we address this? And this is just to finish off this point and we talk about something else. But number one, we are exposed again to trillions upon trillions of viruses every single day in and out of ourselves. Most of the time when we get sick, these are viruses and bacteria we are already carrying around. We're carrying around, they're called opportunistic, waiting for you to fuck yourself up, to be sleep deprived, to be overstressed, to be, you know, massively sick and tired of your job, to be uh, malnutritioned or to be overwhelmed with a certain amount of, of sugar, whatever the case might be. We get sick nine times out of 10 because of, th- we don't quote, catch a cold. We're already carrying that shit. We are the cold. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's the level of thinking that we're overlooking. We're overlooking that. And so now if somebody gets a sniffle because they're massively stressed, they're calling in the, the SWAT team, but with like hazmat suit SWAT to come and test them because it's like, I think I got COVID. I can't take, I can't taste, right? But most of the time, these are sicknesses that we're already carrying around. So the basic things about humans is the things we need to be focused on. And I already shared a couple of data points of how quickly our immune system can be be suppressed or improved. But when they were saying this back in March and April, now, Aubrey, this is the problem that I have. It's been six months now. We're going on seven months now. And the conversation still has not shifted because that's not what they do. The system itself was not constructed to focus on the things that matter most. It's up to us. It's up to people like you and me to stand up and speak up about this stuff because yet again, we are, people today are becoming, they're majoring in minor things. They're, they're becoming masters of missing the fucking point. Masters of looking at the minutia. I can present all these data points and it's always something, well, what about Kids get it too. Right now, CDC just published a report. 6%, only 6% of the folks who passed away here in America with COVID-19 didn't have a chronic disease. Do we get that shit? Like, do we really get that? It's like, well, the other people, the the 94% of people who did have a chronic disease, most of them, two or more, it's the average of two and a half chronic diseases. How the fuck are you even alive already? You got two and a half chronic diseases because of our sick system? But instead of that, we'll look at it and be like, well, they would, you know, if they'd be still, they'd still be alive if they had, if they didn't get COVID. How do you know that? Mm-hmm. How do you know that? Number one, number two, why can't we do something to help them to not have that chronic disease? So we can be done with this whole conversation. But the system itself does not do that. That's why we have to find, I, I, I really feel it. This is our chance to kick that system down the fucking stairs and create something better. Right? No disrespect yep. to the system itself. And I don't let, the, let the system do what it does best. Let it, like when I crashed my car and the jaws of life came and the ambulance came and I went in there and I'd lost a lot of blood and they stitched me up and they patched me together and they put my teeth in right and they did all the things that they needed to do. Thank God that we had the system that we have. They fucking crushed it. You know, I owe an 
a debt of gratitude to them my entire life for the police that were first on scene, the firemen, the ambulance, the hospitals, all of the interventions that they took to get me so I can sit here and do this podcast. And when I'm done, I can go down and kiss my wife. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be able to do that. Thank you, system. However, you're not trained and you're not an expert in actually helping human beings thrive. You're there to fix the most dire problems. And so we all have to band together and talk about this. And what you're saying is so important because it's all compounds. You go for that walk, then your body's moving, you're active, and you're more likely to have a better sleep that night. There's so many studies about movement and exercise and how that impacts sleep. And that's something you talk about in your book, Sleep Smarter, and my book, Own the Day. You'll reduce stress, everything compounds. So that one little choice to go for a walk then improves your sleep, then improves your stress, then improves the way that you eat because your brain isn't deprived of glucose so you don't have to crave all of that sugar to keep you awake the next day. And you start this positive cascade, which is that little choice of grabbing somebody or walking outside your house and going for a little stroll, finding the nearest hill and saying, I'm gonna walk to the top of that thing. That's all it takes to start this positive cascade, but people have to take that responsibility and the sovereignty and say, I'm going to take my power back and I'm going to do this. And look, you know, it is unfortunate, even that 6%, it is tragic that there's people who are dying who don't have this. And we have to have deep compassion for everybody who suffered from that. But we're in a scary world, a world where things are always going to try and eat us, infect us, you know. You were talking about it. You got a random back injury at the start of the year, like a lightning bolt from the heavens that came down and zapped you in a nerve, right? So that just happens. It's a dangerous, scary world. And like, we have to have compassion for everybody who suffers and have the hands there to pick them up and do our best. But if we focus so much on death that we stop living, I think we've made a big, big mistake. That's powerful, man. So powerful. And I was sharing this with you earlier that, you know, when you truly understand how amazing our bodies are, you know, we can't, we can't fully comprehend. And this is the thing about science that I think a lot of people don't realize as well, is that even when we talk about, you know, virology and the entire field, our most prestigious virologist knows less than 1% about all the viruses that there are. And of the viruses that we do know, they know less than 1% of what there is to know about them. Within the next 10 years, when we get a powerful enough microscope, I promise they're gonna find that viruses have fucking viruses, right? They're gonna find like, you know, these viruses like have like little dangling balls and like, that's really the problem. We need to get rid of, all, we need to castrate all the viruses, then we'll be fine. You know, we keep zooming in and zooming in and looking at the minutiae and not understanding how much we don't know. That's the beautiful part. And the problem right now is that there are people who, unfortunately, you know, it's a condition that we can fall into of being a know-it-all and not understanding like, man, I marvel at how little we know. I marvel at how little I know. And that keeps me in in this position of curiosity and joy And it's a little secret. I'm going to share this with you guys. I don't talk about this that much, but I go into things looking for how am I wrong? Let me go. Do you know how hard that is to look for ways that you are wrong? But thankfully, I have my wife and she's taught me many occasions how wrong I can be. 
you know? <laughs> so it's like, I developed this muscle and I take this into the research. So I'm very open. So I can present the data and present myself as if like, I really solidly know this subject matter. That's because I'm looking at it from multiple perspectives, you know? And that's really the, the secret that shouldn't be a secret. And so in that context, um, and something that, of course, we definitely got to talk about, but our biggest weapon has been this holy trinity, right, of hand washing, social distancing, and wearing a mask. Like, these are the saviors. This is the things to, to stop the spread. These are the things that are going to save lives. We've already talked a little bit about how we're not actually doing the number one thing that we need to do to save lives. Not even close, not even remotely close. And we're being handed some illusor, uh, uh, illusory, um, what, what, what would I call them? I call them um, distractions. These distraction points. It's like putting a band, it's like putting a band-aid on a bruise. You know, like your, your, your daughter falls down and, and hits, the, hits their elbow, but it's not bleeding. And you're like, we'll mm. put a Band-Aid on it with a strawberry shortcake on there. And she's like, I feel better. Thanks. Hello Kitty on there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's putting a Band-Aid on a bruise. But here's, and this is the, the beautiful part about it is, for me, I can use any kind of entryway into the psyche of, of our fellow humans. If we're talking about mask, if that's the big thing that is going to be our savior, I can take that route in here and help you to understand and acknowledge what the biggest issue is. And this was beautiful for me because I started to expose things that we commonly hold as, as beliefs in what we, you know, what was referred to as the status quo in medicine. Now listen to this. So I went back to the inception of masks because I was curious because I wanted to find out, my goal was let me find out how we can use these masks in an intelligent way, number one, what are the best types of mask and what can we do to ensure that we don't hurt ourselves? Because I would imagine just from logic, if we're putting a mask on for eight hours a day because we're required to at work and inhibiting our breathing pathways, maybe that might cause a problem. So I just want to make sure we didn't venture into the ridiculous, but I was all for it. Let's find out how this, like, does it have some benefit? But this is what I do. I'm always like, where did this come from? Who thought of this shit the first, you know, the first time? So this goes back to the miasmatic theory of disease, which is, you know, is believed that the spreading of disease was through what was referred to as, quote, bad air. And this was the, the, the law of the land up until, you know, just even about 100 years ago, just a little over 100 years ago, people believed that disease was spread through bad air. You know, like, don't go into those woods. There's bad air in there. You can die. And so that when people think about the plague doctors and that kind of beaked, kind of menacing mask, that was during those times. And the belief was, the common belief is that people were wearing those masks to protect them from the bad air, but that's not how it works. The plague doctor, believing in miasmatic disease, they weren't trying to not breathe in the bad air. They were putting herbs and spices into the beak and basically lights it on fire so they can breathe in the good air. So where they're crowding out the bad air with the good air, right? That was the strategy. And again, you think you hear stuff like that, and we're like, that sounds so primitive. Aha. Really? Do you think we're so evolved now? So the in, influx of now, where do we get to today? 
And the inception of the, the mask in medicine, in, in kind of conventional medicine, in, was in surgery. And this is when we shifted to the germ theory of, of disease, which we've, again, we've gone past, but the, the commonly held science was taught in universities t- always takes time to catch up. We even have the internet now, you know, but still it's taking time to catch up. But this was the, the belief that, you know, it's your ger- germs cause disease. Be afraid of germs. We got to kill all the germs. And so what they did was they created these masks to cover, you know, the mouth and the nose of the surgeon for the patient undergoing surgery to help to prevent infection. And again, I get it. I think that that was brilliant. Like, obviously, like, it just seems like it's a good idea. But what I'm about to share is counterintuitive, but this is what the data shows. And first of all, so this was in Cochrane Systematic Review, very prestigious database for medicine. Yeah, gold standard. And they looked at in surgery, when physicians wear a mask in surgery or didn't wear a mask, what is the difference in infection rate for the patients? Because the theory is that wearing this mask is going to reduce infection rates. And here's what the conclusion was. Big meta-analysis. They said, quote, there was no statistically significant difference in infection rates between the masked and unmasked groups in any of the trials. No difference. And I was like, damn, that's really weird. So I went on and looked at other databases and other studies. This was in the Journal of Hospital Infections found that this was their conclusion. They concluded that surgical masks and surgery, after looking at all the data that they had, are obsolete and unnecessary. What? Oh, shit. Another one. This was from researchers at the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy, summarized by stating that, quote, clinical trials in the surgery theater have found no difference in wound infection rates with and without surgical masks. Despite these findings, it has been difficult for surgeons to give up a long-standing practice. Wait, so the masks were invented for this purpose, and they're not even good at doing the thing they were invented for. But now we're going to take that outside of the realm of medicine and use this for community settings. It doesn't, it's called a surgical mask because it was supposed to be used in surgery, but it's been found to be ineffective. And when we go from something, and this is very important, this was supposed to be based on science, but the science showed that it's not effective. Now we move into the realm of superstition. And a lot of people think, and they've said this, okay, if masks don't work so well, why do doctors wear them? Well, they wear them because that's part of their fucking uniform. That's it. Mm-hmm. There's no other reason for it. It's just what they do. It's the status quo. It's not based on any solid evidence. And if there was, I would be telling everybody about it. I'd be happy to. But it doesn't exist. And so just to parlay, and I'm passing it back to you, man. But then I went from there after looking at, does it work for the thing it was invented for? And then I shifted gears and looked into the arena of does this work in community settings? Does it work in the real world when we're talking about the spreading of infectious diseases? And what I found blew my mind. And that's what we could talk about next. So summer is winding down now, and it's been a hell of a summer. There's been a lot of things going on. And generally in summer, people take a lot of vacations and people take a break from work. Who knows what's been going on this summer? But ultimately, we're back in the seasonal time where it's time to start kicking ass again, like really focusing on what we're going to offer the world, how we're going to build our platform, how we're going to serve our customers, whatever our business is, whatever we're doing, even our art and whatever we're providing the world. 
it's really, you know, time. And as such, I like to personally be armed with the best tools that are available. And that's what really on it was dedicated to creating right from the start. What are the best tools that we can put in our tool shed and bring out whenever we need to be at maximum focus or maximum relaxation or maximum efficacy and optimal functioning? And that's why we created Alpha Brain, Alpha Brain Instant, why we created New Mood, why they're supporting different nutrients like what are in krill oil and on an MCT oil. So in the spirit of the times, we put together our focus collection for this week. So check it out. Go to onit.com slash Aubrey. You'll get access, of course, to all of these different products and everything else for 10% off. Onit.com slash Aubrey for all the tools to help you kick ass like a boss and handle shit and fucking make beautiful things and make awesome things and build beautiful castles of your own empire because this is the time to do it thanks fam let's let's just keep going with this because i think this is really important information and already i'm sure you know there's people who are listening who are itching and who are like this is making them really uncomfortable because there's been so much faith placed in this thing that you know is really as you said it's it's seeming when you look at the data and i got a chance to watch the great video that you put out so i've already seen this data which is why i have this kind of preconceived opinion as i'm not hearing this from you for the first time but i'm sure many of the listeners are that this is this is now kind of superstitious like i was just watching the first football game of the season last night and i saw people in seats that were six feet apart and wearing a mask in this frozen tundra out in you know i think it was in kansas city where they were at and it was it was really interesting it's and like the strip clubs are open here in town and mm -hmm. you know as, as as the strippers on the pole she has to wear a mask but if you get a lap dance she doesn't and it's like we have all of these strange rules that are like that are abounding and if you go to a, you can go to a bar but you can't dance because the dance encourages you know public contact or you can yeah. go to a restaurant and then you can take your mask off and then everybody has a mask off but as soon as you get up go to the bathroom yeah it's just we have these strange, like almost religious dogmas that are out there yeah. that just aren't backed by science. But it's like we wanna we wanna get out and do stuff. So we're just like, all right, fuck it. You know, we'll we'll play by this strange, this these strange rules. So, anyways, go continue on and, and talk about the actual data and then yeah. you know, we'll try to try to figure out where, if anywhere, you know, there is some science that supports the use of masks. Yes, yes. And and you just said it perfectly, man. The word science has been kicked around a lot recently, but I believe it was uh, Dr. Rowan you had on your show and you sent me that episode. Cowan, and yeah. He said that um, it was Ka Cowan? Cowan, yeah. Dr. Cowan. And he said that, uh, it was Tom Thomas Cowan, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he said that science right now, unfortunately, is not very scientific. Yeah, and so the problem with science like, is it's not very scientific. People are like kicking around. Well, I'm going to follow the science. I'm going to follow the science. But because of our cognitive biases, even if we're presented with something, and this is the most important thing, and for people to be able to read through this stuff, I think that being able to see through the eyes of a researcher, of a scientist today is more important than ever. You just have to take the time to do it. And of course, like, you know, Cardi B's got, you know, you could watch the WAP video or you can like... You know what I'm saying? Research what the fuck is going on in our world. You could do both. We got time. Both. Yeah. But Live a most little. people are like, they're just putting WAP on replay and they're not looking <laughs> into this stuff. You know what I'm saying? So here's the thing. This is very important. There's a big difference in clinical trials, the, the, where the evidence comes from in the first place. 
And so what we have is a kind of the gold standard, which is randomized controlled trial, right? So randomized controlled trial, this helps to eliminate biases. And it's looking for a very specific, there's a very specific intervention looking for very specific results. It's specific. And then there's, you know, if we go level down, we have observational studies, right? And we have comparative studies. And observational studies are the ones that are being pushed out there. They're really being pushed hard by these different, you know, even social media, you know, YouTube, they'll put up commercials for endorsing how important masks are. And they're censoring other people's videos that talk about the data that don't fit into that popular narrative, even though they're backed by different types of studies. But then at the end of the video, they'll put up like a a asterisk and I'll go look at the goddamn study. And it's from like the Lancet and it's based on observational studies. And so an observational study is not looking at a specific intervention and it's not looking at a specific result. It's just, it's basically like when we're talking about a randomized controlled trial, we're not talking about apples of a randomized controlled trial to the oranges of an observational study. An observational study is more like a mystery bag of like, it could be an orange in this bag or it could be a flaming hot bowl of dog shit in the bag. Like you don't know. And right. that literally, so the Lancet, this study that this was a, one of the big ones that came out, there's a, it was based on 172 observational studies. And I went through and I picked apart every single reference, every one, picking out the stupidia, stupidity of them and also pointing out the majority of the studies referenced in the Lancet were affirming the narrative that's not popular, that masks are ineffective. And so let me just start with that now here. So this is based on what I'm about to share first, a randomized controlled trial, all right? Real world randomized controlled trial. And this was published in the British Medical Journal, the BMJ, very prestigious source. And this was back in 2015 before this very politicized thing has taken place. And so I'm gonna come back and tell you why this is important. But this is fairly recent study. And what they mm-hmm. did was they wanted to examine specifically how effective medical masks are, aka surgical mask, cloth mask, and you know against a control group in reducing the spread of infectious diseases. This was a very specific thing to find out. Does the control this group work. had no masks? So. No. So here's the, I'll, I'll break this down. So one group, and oh by the way, so this was based on. This is data from 15 different hospitals participating in the study. And they used 14 of the data because they complied. So 14 different freaking hospitals, man. All right. So one group was randomized. I'm sorry. The randomized group, one group was instructed to wear surgical masks for their entire shift. They could not take them off. Another group was instructed to wear cloth masks for their entire shift. They could not take them off. Then they had the control group who weren't given any strict compliance metrics. They could wear a mask, not wear a mask, intermittently wear a mask, uh, wear different types of mask, and some people didn't wear a mask, okay? But this is a mixed bag. I don't want people to get, well, he said a group didn't wear a mask. I didn't fucking say that, Mm -hmm. all right? The control group was standard practice, all right? Now, here's what the data found after it was all compiled. First of all, a percentage of all the healthcare workers got infections, all right? So infectious, so we're talking about influenza-like illness, 
and confirmed viral infections. Now, this is important. <sighs> the participants wearing cloth mask versus medical mask had significantly higher rates of infections. In fact, those wearing cloth mask were 13 times more likely to experience a viral type infection than those wearing surgical mask. 13 times more likely. Now, right away, if we're not having a strong cognitive bias, we should at least be like, whoa, maybe we should wear a surgical mask instead of a cloth mask. Because the scientists in the study said, oh, by the way, they actually looked at the penetration of the different masks. And they found that the cloth mask had 97% penetration by virus particles. You were, you were basically fully penetrated at that point. <laughs> all right? Yep. And then the surgical mask had 44% penetration, which is still a hell of a lot of penetration, by the way. All right? Mm-hmm. If you're 44% penetrated, you, you're penetrated. <laughs> you feel it. It's official. You know? So it's not- yep. It counts. <laughs> it does count. <laughs> so it's not that, like, that's not good. That's not very good either. But the fact that the cloth masks were so bad, and then one argument was, well, cloth masks, you can get a higher threat count. Your face is not a fucking mattress. Like, we're, why, we're talking about bed sheets and thread counts? No, there's the bigger issue here. And this is what the researchers in the study noted. This is specifically for them. Quote, because I'm like, how could it be 13 times higher? They said that, quote, moisture retention and pore filtration of the cloth mask may result in increased risk of infections and that cloth mask should not be recommended. That was based on a randomized control trial. They said cloth mask should not be recommended because what they found is that this actually increases your risk of getting sick. It wasn't just that it was not effective. So mm-hmm. here, here's what their, their conclusion of the study was this. They concluded that, please hear this, Surgical masks were not effective. This is their direct words. They found that medical masks slash surgical masks were found to be not effective. They're not effective at preventing infections. And then they said, comma, cloth masks were even less effective. Okay, so they said surgical masks were not effective. Cloth masks were even less effective. Aubrey, please tell me what the fuck is less effective than not effective? What does that even mean? Well, it means it's actually it's actually more likely to cause you to get disease than exactly. actually prevent it. So, how did they get to the how did they get to the understanding that the surgical masks were not effective? So, what was the what was the way that they were able to say, okay, surgical masks are not effective, cloth masks are clearly worse, but surgical masks are not effective as well? Perfect, because it didn't outperform the control group who could just do whatever the fuck they want. They didn't have strict compliance. Sometimes not wearing a mask, wearing different types of masks, intermittently wearing a mask. So they had to wear the mask at all times in these study in the study groups, right? That's so important. So if it doesn't even beat the control, like wearing the mask, we need to look at all of these parts and consider this. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple thing. So found not to be effective, cloth mask even less effective. This is the most important takeaway for me though, is with these cloth masks, and then I went and looked at data from, uh, this was from the University of Oxford to try to explain like what's going on here. And they noted that the accumulation of moisture prolong- during prolonged usage exacerbates the problem with virus particles going through the mask, in and out of the mask, 
By increasing resistance to airflow, moisture accumulation is also thought to facilitate the movement of contaminants through the material of the mask itself. So the longer you wear the mask, the more problems start to arise. And some of the other studies people were promoting as like, see, this study works, you know, masks work great. They're having people put on a mask, cough into a Petri dish or a machine, and then take the mask off. And then they're like, oh, this is, see, the mask works great. But that's not how stuff works in the real world. You know, many people, even children, the children that are allowed to go back to school right now, they have to wear a mask all day. Is that a safe behavior for a child? And that's actually what got me to do this, Aubrey, because as we both know, like we can be, we can lay back. We, we're good. I can operate in my own little bubble. But then when I found out, okay, these children are being forced to wear masks all day at school. Number one, these are kids. They're going to touch their face in their mask hundreds of times a day. Sure. You know, it's just going to be accelerated. And as I'm going to share too, um, with, when it comes to hand washing and hand cleanliness, basic hygiene practices versus masks is going to trip you out too. But I was like, are we going to hurt our babies? Are we doing, what is this about? Is this about protecting our kids or is this just about an agenda? Is this about having the appearance that we're doing something to help our kids? And I wanted to find out. So that's how the documentary came about. And by the way, everybody can watch the documentary. It's at themodelhealthshow.com forward slash mask facts. That's where everybody can check out the entire documentary. And you have a whole page that goes through like 16 different clinical trials that uh, that you've pointed to as well. So we'll, we'll link that in the show notes in the outro as well. Awesome, man. And so again, that's just one study. I didn't want to just, okay, this is, I looked for randomized controlled trials and I just kept finding them. And it's just like people are acting like these don't exist. Another one, this was a meta-analysis of 19 randomized controlled trials. 19. This was published in the International Journal of Nursing Studies. And this one is very important to listen to because this is where a strong cognitive bias can miss, you know, people again, like becoming masters and missing the point. So this was published in the International Journal of Nursing Studies. Examine the effectiveness of masks in reducing infections in eight community settings. So this is, again, real world scenarios, six healthcare settings, and five is source control. And the study concluded that, quote, medical masks were not effective and cloth masks even less effective. <laughs> there it is again. Now, here's what's so interesting about this. <laughs> this is actually kind of funny, but, but not funny. When intelligent people with a strong cognitive bias, when they look at the study and they can see that's the, that's, those are the study results. That's what they actually find with the study results. But when you go to the conclusion, there's a little part in there, basically, and I'm just going to click on it here so I can pull this up and tell you directly, which is so fascinating. So the conclusion of this, so the results of the study were what I just shared. But if you go to the conclusion, it says, and I'm just going to read this directly. The study suggests that community mask use by well people could be beneficial, particularly for COVID-19, where transmission may be pre-symptomatic. All right. And instead of people acknowledging the results of the study, and I'm going to read this again. Medical masks were found to be not effective and cloth masks were even less effective. Those are the studies, very specific languaging. And then instead, people were like, well, the conclusion still says 
that the mat they should wear a mask. That, my friend, is because of a highly politicized environment. That's because of the status quo. They don't want to, and they literally are saying using very flaccid words like could be. Could be. Yeah. Maybe. What we know for certain is that this shit didn't work. That's very clear. But unfortunately, people get caught up in the minutia and just ignore, just ignore the fact that the study results exist. This has been done. 19 randomized controlled trials. Come on, like, let's just have a conversation. Open your mind, open your heart. It's important not to ignore the data that we have and just go on, well, just wear a mask, it works. Because this shit is counterintuitive, Aubrey. We think that covering our face, of course, is going to stop, you know, particles and droplets because that's the science. It's another part of the lexicon we've all had added in. But in the Mass Fast documentary, dude, I go in and I we even do some wonderful animations to kind of articulate this. When we're talking about the size of a of a virus particle, so when we're talking about even a bacteria, a bacteria is about one fortieth the width of a human hair, all right? Incredibly tiny, but that's, and that's measured in micrometers. Viruses are so small, you can't even see them with the, with the microscope. You need like a very, very, very powerful, like electron, and then it's still foggy. Like it kind of looked like we, we could see what we're, what, we're, what we're looking at. They're so small, they're measured in nanometers, and you could fit hundreds or even thousands of virus particles into a single bacteria cell. They're so small. They don't give a fuck about your mask. But the science was like, well, they're in droplets. The droplet, the mask catches the droplets. And as I already demonstrated, when you're wearing that mask for more than just a few minutes, you're creating a microclimate or a microhabitat on your face that makes it even easier for virus particles to go through as you're inhaling and exhaling. And not only are you creating a wet, nasty microhabitat on your own face that's then pushing more of your shit out into the world, but it's becoming like a, a net that's just mm. grabbing onto the trillions upon trillions of virus particles in your in your environment that normally would just be kind of moving away, you know, just through normal the, the normal breathing process. But now they're just attracted and being pulled into your mask, and you're just creating a net of nastiness right on your on your face, you know. So again, just looking at some of these things with a broader perspective, and you know, that's really what I want people to do. Yeah. And, and then, so I actually saw a video from a doctor and he had a bunch of different masks. He had the N95, he had the typical surgeon's mask and he had a vape pen and presuming there was tobacco in the vape pen, but he had a vape pen and he would actually inhale and then put the mask on and then exhale. And what you would see from the vapor particles, which are water droplets and the smoke or whatever was put in there, you would see it go out the sides, you'd see it go out the bottom and the top, and you'd see it go right through the middle of all of those masks. Like you said, 44% penetration of that. So what we're really doing is, you know, we're not actually doing anything that we say that we're doing, and, and then we're catching some of these particles in our mask. And then beyond that, what about the restriction of oxygen? You know, what about the study that I uncovered when I was doing research for my book that six deep breaths is enough to lower blood sugar and, and not blood sugar, blo lower pressure. blood pressure and create a physiological state change in a human being? Well, it's real hard to get any deep breaths when your air is obstructed. You can, you got to really just huff it. But nonetheless, like we're not really looking at this holistically. Is this effective? Is it helpful or is it potentially harmful? 
we're just being very religious about it. It's like it's like there was a deity that came down and told us and said, wear the masks and worship me and you'll go to heaven. You know, we're like, we're in this superstitious place, which is, yeah, all right, masks are a minor inconvenience, but if people aren't thinking about these things and we just blindly follow everything, it's not, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, if you really believe, if you really want to protect yourself, all right, you got to go full outbreak hazmat suit. And yeah, all right. You're not gonna you're not gonna get anything go through. But what are the deleterious effects of wearing a hazmat suit for your whole life? Let's count the many ways: no sunlight, no connection to other people, stress, all of these lack of movement, everything else. And let's just count it up. You know, so how do we want to live? Either we need to go so far as to everybody wear a hazmat suit and live in a bubble, or we need to say, like, all right, maybe we just gotta get back to life here. Exactly right, man. And that's the thing. I just want to make sure that we don't go into the realm of the ridiculous and we become aliens on our own planet. Because honestly, that's what we look like right now. You know, we are afraid of life. We're afraid of the environment. We're afraid of nature. We're afraid of each other. And this is my inroads to this. So I'm breaking down this mass thing because it's not just the fact that these things are proven again and again and again to be ineffective. But the fact of like, what are the psychological issues? What are the physiological issues? Because they are there, they exist and they're real. And I have massive amounts of data to show that. And so we can just take it all in a simple cost benefit analysis. That's what's not taking place during this whole thing. It's not, it's just like one track where the mask science says, no, bro. Like that's not what the science says. And then we start to open the conversation. What else is, are, is quote, science saying that's not true? You know, so I got to share, this, is, this was my favorite study, dude. This is my favorite one because a, 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 a well-to-do health, uh, a medical professional, a physician posted this study. <sighs> this is so good, man. The study has actually been retracted, but they were going, this is unfortunate, again, they were going off of a headline. And the headline of the study said that a cloth mask offers more protection than a surgical mask for people nearby. Wait a minute. We already talked about cloth masks being like the ultimate fuckery for yourself. Like we already, that, that data exists, but that's the headline of the study. And they're like, whoa, actually, this study found, you know, that this is the case. So that's the article headline. If you go and mm. actually read the study itself, which I, I love to do. It's my of course, one of my favorite job. pastimes. It's a passion. <laughs> and this study was published in a very prestigious journal, the Annals of Internal Medicine. And they had folks, because a lot of people, you know, even with the previous studies, well, that wasn't COVID. That wasn't COVID. That was in different virus. And not understanding even that the virus particle size is, is very comparable. It doesn't, that's missing the point again. This was done with COVID-19 patients. And they had them to cough into, to put a mask on and cough into a Petri dish five times, you know, just trying to simulate real life. And then they take the mask off and they had them do it in this order, wearing no mask, cough into the Petri dish while wearing a surgical mask, then while wearing a cloth mask, and then while doing it with no mask again. So they had them do that in that order. All right. Now, already... We're not operating in the realm of what happens in reality of coughing, taking, putting a mask on for literally, you know, less than a minute. People, again, they're wearing them for many times, hours at a time each day. 
So, but even taking that into context, here's what the study said. Listen to this. The study said, stated that, quote, both surgical and cotton masks seem to be ineffective in preventing the dissemination of SARS-CoV-2 from the coughs of patients with COVID-19. Even more alarming, the researchers in the study were surprised to find that when test subjects coughed into the mask, even more virus particles ended up on the outside of the mask than on the inside of the mask. You can't make this up, man. So here's what, now this is the craziest part about this. This study published in the Annals of Internal Medicine, which is a very prestigious journal. You can't just publish stuff in there. You got to go through rigorous, like, you know what I mean? But they had to retract this article. The medical establishment went apeshit. Like, you can't say masks are ineffective. You can't do that. And there's just, you know, all these comments. And then they start picking it apart. Well, they didn't do this. Well, they didn't do that. They didn't do this. Listen, I don't even, I didn't even talk about this study. I didn't put it into the documentary. This is what health professionals were using and propping up because of a headline, not actually reading the study that disproves what they say. My point was people are not actually looking at the data. They're just saying shit. All right. So even if this study is bonkers, even if like there's different reasons why there's more virus particles on the outside of the mask and the inside of the mask, this exists. The mask again were found to be ineffective. And my biggest point is this is not how reality works in the first place. Stop putting a mask on somebody, having them cough and take the fucking mask off. That's not how life works. And then saying, this is why we need to wear masks. Aubrey, I'm saying this because so many of my colleagues, physicians, nurse practitioners were saying stuff like this. They were saying, follow the science. The science says, and the studies are bullshit. This is, again, this is the difference between a randomized controlled trial in the real world versus laboratory setting, having somebody put on a mask, cough, take it off, and then saying that we found the, hor- the, 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 the holy grail. I was going to say glory hole. <laughs> we <was> gonna, <laughs> the holy grail of science here, proving that masks are going to save us, they're going to stop the spread. Aubrey, did you know most of the cases, you know, because we've had this explosion of cases, like when I'm in California, we're, we're just, we got COVID fr- from the windows to the walls, all right? It's everywhere, right? The people that are getting tested, the majority of them are very compliant in wearing their mask. Are we just, you think it's the super spreaders? That are like going in like, oh, you know what? I've been super spreading. I better go get my test done. <laughs> no. These are the folks who are in fear. They're very much worried about their safety and their well-being. And they're very compliant. And they're going and getting tested. You know, like look at the results. Look at the results. Has it worked? No. It's because this science doesn't work like that. A mask is not our savior. Getting yeah. our citizens healthier, that is the truth. Amen. Amen. So are there any, are there any other trials, some randomized clinical trials that support mask use? When people say, you know, look, we're following the science, you know, you say that there's, you've alluded to there being some observational studies, which once again, you know, that's creating some kind of correlation, but not actually proving any causation at all. So 
understandably, you know, you can create observational studies to show a lot of different things. Got that. But are there any double-blind clinical trials that are showing the efficacy of masks for COVID-19? Yes. Okay. So not specifically for COVID, but for viral type infections. And this, and I was, again, I'm looking for like, let's find some type of efficacy here. This was a study, it was published in 2017. And again, this is all on the MassFacts page. All the studies are there. Um, and what they did was, they and this brought into the fold the N95, right? The N95. This, this is like, N95 is like the the ultimate warrior of mask. <laughs> all right? Yeah. It doesn't give max. a shit. It's going to like anything. All right? So what they did was they had uh, study participants to wear either targeted N95 mask use. So this is okay, let me let me break this down. So this was for healthcare workers who are caring for high-risk patients, specifically when we're talking about intermittent use. So we had um I don't I want to I want to make make sure this makes sense. So when I say intermittent use, it's kind of like intermittent fasting. Like there's a period where you do it, period where you mm-hmm. don't. So intermittent use of the N95 respirator. So they put them on when they were going into high risk situations, which were working with patients with confirmed respiratory infections. All right. So I hope that makes sense. Now, and by the way, so in the documentary, because they have graphs as well on this study, and also we did it, you know, so people can see it in an animated fashion. Targeted N95 respirator use caused higher infection rates in the healthcare workers wearing the N95 mask. They had higher rates of infection than people wearing cloth mask and surgical mask by wearing the N95 mask in targeted use. So I'm like, oh shit, like that's not, that doesn't sound, this is supposed to be the ultimate warrior, but it's Mm -hmm. looking more like, I don't know, uh, uh, who's a shitty wrestler? I don't know. The ultimate Uh, goat. I don't know. The ultimate ultimate Billy goat. Yeah. So, and I, but here's the, here's the good part. Well, good-ish. And this is what the study found. That was with targeted intermittent use. When the healthcare practitioners were instructed to wear the N95 mask for their entire shift, meaning they could not take them off, there was a substantial decrease in viral type infections. It like cut it in half. So it outperformed the surgical mask and the cloth mask. All right. So that is what would make sense. The -hmm. thing is they cannot take them off. That is the big thing. Now, with that we have obvious, there's like mixed results here. And so I went and I dove in, like we got to find some more data here. And so I went to, and this was a randomized controlled trial of 446 nurses in emergency departments, medical units, pediatric units, so a wide range of exposures. And approximately half of the nurses were assigned to wear a surgical mask. The other half were assigned to wear a fit tested. This is fit tested mother approved. Okay, fit tested N95 respirator to study the effectiveness against confirmed influenza virus. This was a two and a half month study. This was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, by the way. And what it revealed was that 23.6% of the nurses wearing the surgical mask contracted the influenza virus, while 22.9% of the N95 group 
contracted the virus. They were almost identical. The performance was almost identical. So I was like, okay, oh shit. There are so many more, I'm gonna share one more. This was a meta-analysis, this is the best one. This was published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal. This included six clinical trials and 23 surrogate exposure studies. The scientists found no significant difference between the N95 respirator and surgical mask and associated risk of laboratory confirmed respiration, I'm sorry, respiratory infection or influenza-like illness. The very best mask, the ultimate warrior, didn't work out against average Joe. All right. Mm -hmm. That's what the data found. But we did have one study that showed if they do not take the N95 mask off, it can outperform the other two. And so I'm like, I got N95 masks for my mother-in-law who's seeing patients every day when nobody wants to go see these patients. You know, they have COVID-19, you know, home doing home health care to go and work with these patients. I was like, you know, why not? You know, just a precaution. Now we have to weigh the cost-benefit analysis. And this is what people really need to know. This was a peer-reviewed study published in 2004. Fitted patients with an N95 mask and monitored the physiological impact the mask had on their bodies. 70% of the patients showed a significant reduction in partial pressure of oxygen. Now, this is important. So what the hell is partial pressure of oxygen? This reflects how well oxygen is able to move from your lungs to your blood. 70% of the patients had a dramatic reduction in that capacity for your body to do that thing. This is not made up. This exists. But then again, if we just think about this logically, fit tested N95 mask, that is the the highest degree of suffocation that we can get. And so now we're preventing the normal action of our blood moving from, I'm sorry, of oxygen moving from our lungs to our blood. And on top of that, and this is, again, I've got so many studies like this, I'm going to share one more. This was a control, again, control clinical study. And this was published in the journal Antimicrobial Resistance and Infection Control. And for this one, Aubrey, with, with medicine, with studies, with wellness, it always starts with a question. Somebody has to ask a question. And question dogma. Question status quo. Somebody saw pregnant healthcare workers, expecting mothers, wearing N95 masks, walking around the hospital, and they had the thought, I wonder if this is inhibiting the ability for them to get oxygen to their baby. It took to see like somebody who is in a, in a special circumstance, you know, a beautiful circumstance, to ask the question. And so they did. And this study, again, published in Antimicrobial Resistance and Infection Control, recruited pregnant healthcare workers to wear N95 masks while doing just low-intensity activities. The results from this were, more than any other thing that I looked at through this entire process, this was the most shocking. Wearing the N95 mask reduced their normal volume of air displaced between inhalation and exhalation by 23%. The volume of gas that they were able to inhale or exhale, specifically from their lungs, each minute was reduced by 26%. Their volume of overall oxygen consumption was reduced by 14%. And their ability to expire carbon dioxide was reduced by 17.7%. And I would think in hearing this, I'm like, okay, This is from wearing it for a long period of time. Nope. 
This was just 15 minutes. This was wearing the mask and doing low intensity activity for 15 minutes caused these problems. Mm -hmm. This could damage your brain, damage your heart. This is not a small thing. We have to take this into consideration. This isn't just like, oh, just wear a mask, stop being a pussy. This is like, oh, I'm, these are my breathing pathways. I'm inhibiting normal human function. There are going to be some side effects. And we have to take all of this into consideration. That's all I want us to do, to make sure we're not hurting ourselves, trying to save ourselves. Absolutely. And what happened? So what happened to the kids? You know, because if you're deprived, if the mother's depriving herself of oxygen, they're depriving the baby of oxygen. It's a it's a linked system, you know. So the kids are getting deprived of oxygen in a crucially important time of their development. Did they actually do any kind of follow up on on what that effect might be? But it's just I mean, we can imagine that depriving your child of oxygen while it's in your womb is going to be a bad thing i mean and you can look at all of the research on pranayama on breathwork mm-hmm. practice and the like the one study from japan that i mentioned about just six deep breaths changing your physiology you know how about a thousand shallow breaths you know like nobody's done that study that, that i'm aware of but <laughs> right. we should be we should be that's that's science being scientific you right. know and looking at the full cost benefit analysis of this thing yeah, you know. So, and then again, it goes to that point. Like, all right, we can take extreme measures that it looked like with the fit tested N95 reduced it. I'm curious though, in that study where the the fit tested N95 reduced infection, did they have a control of somebody not wearing masks at all? And yes. Kind of. Yep. There was a control. So, so it was. So it was. It was. So it improved it over that. So it seems like if you do wear the most restrictive mask possible in a high risk situation and you don't take it off at all you might have some benefit. But the way that we're doing it societally is doing nothing except obstructing air and potentially in the cloth mask case from your other studies, exacerbating the chance that we're actually gonna get an infection. So everybody that's forcing you to put something, some handkerchief like you're a fucking bandito from the wild west, they're actually increasing the chances of transmission rather than decreasing. And then there's other conflicting data showing that these particles are accumulating on the outside of the mask. So ultimately, we need to really take a look at this and do a full cost-benefit analysis, just like I was talking about with the cost-benefit analysis of lockdown. How is it affecting the abused kids? How is it affecting school kids? How is it affecting human trafficking? I'm going to have Tim Ballard on the podcast soon. He's going to be talking about how this global lockdown has affected human trafficking. How is it affecting everything? What could we do with this money? And just have a loving, gentle conversation with everybody and say, look, 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 hey, 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 let's just all talk. Let's look at all the data. Let's analyze it. Let's not react from our own fear, from that primal amygdalic urge to survive at all cost, no matter what. And let's look like a community, like a one world tribe of humans and say like, what are we doing here, everybody? Let's, let's make smart choices. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what we really are, even though, you know, this is the analogy that I've been thinking a lot about lately. As I've been, you know, just walking around my neighborhood and seeing, you know, nine out of 10 people are in a mask outside. And in the documentary as well, I talk about some of the best signs we have about wearing a mask outside. And it's not good. It does not go into the popular narrative. But as I'm walking around, I'm really, it's hitting me at a different level than it ever has that we are like, we're a community of cells. That's what makes us up as human beings. Yep. And 
the analogy and kind of we're the reality. We're an ecosystem. We're an ecosystem. We are an ecosystem, and we're a part of this Earth's ecosystem. We are similar to cells within the Earth's body. Everything about us, even as I'm looking at you and you can see me, what you're seeing is the things that have come from the Earth. Everything that you see came from the Earth. Yeah. How do you think we grow? Do we grow from magic, from like a magnetic pull to, to expand? We grow because we're assimilating all of these this carbon and minerals and particles that actually makes up the same way a tree grows. It's drawing these things from the water, from the soil, you know, the respiration that comes from the sun. We, we can't we can't remove ourselves from that. It's not it's not possible. We we're doing what's what our cells do. You know, we're consuming some stuff, we're eliminating, reproducing. We're doing the same things. We're the same thing on the earth's of the earth's kind of body, this earthly body. And some of us act more as like like viruses. Some of us act more like, you know, we can be a little bit more cancerous. It's not that we're trying to be bad. We just didn't know when to stop, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can go with these analogies all the time. But the truth is we are all, as humanity, we're a part of this. We're part, cells of the earth's body. And we have to get our shit together because at the end of the day, even as I'm looking outside, like there's been this like massive fire here in, you know, in California, you know, in northern part of California, that's just blanketed the sky. And the sun, you could barely see it. It's like a foggy red dot now. Mm -hmm. And this is from people doing dumb shit. Apparently, I mean, you know, don't know the true, you know, I wasn't there, but the report is it was a gender reveal gone wrong. Yeah. Right? Like, what are we doing? You know, like basic stuff like this, you know. So when it comes to this. I mean, what did they use? Sparklers? Like they were getting a vodka bottle at a club? I mean, I Dude. thought this was confetti or a cake that has blue icing or pink icing. You know, like there's ways to do this without starting a it's fire. It's a whole different level. They could have just consulted with me and I would have been <laughs> like, listen, there's a 50-50 chance you're going to have a boy or a girl. <laughs> That's it. That's it. You know what I mean? Anyways, so here's the thing. With with this paradigm of what we're seeing with, you know, masking ourselves, um, it's an inroads because what's happening, and this is the truest thing, I feel like Tupac right now, the truest thing I've ever wrote. The truest thing that I'm going to say today is that this is a great distraction. It's a distraction from what is most important about us. It's a distraction from the thing that needs the most attention. We are a severely sick society. The majority of human beings here, right now in America, don't even abide by the basic operating systems, the basic laws of human health, of getting high quality sleep, of having healthy relationships, of eating real food, just real food. We eat food-like products. I know this intimately because I've never met anybody, not a single person that eats worse than I did. I didn't have a salad until I was in my mid-20s for the first time in my life. <laughs> and that took a massive undertaking. I grew up, I was probably a solid like 2 to 3% fish stick, right? <laughs> like that's what I was made of, bro. Like my, like 50 cc's of ketchup, like just pumping through my veins like whatever but. i was at least one percent double western bacon cheeseburger from carl's jr at least at <laughs> least probably two percent i would get those almost every day dude i was on that jumbo jack 
You know, like <laughs> the jumbo jack is pretty good. It didn't fuck with the double west. Not at me, all. But. So you were made of better stuff. I mean, <laughs> just think about the con the 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 concept of Jack in the Box. It's a clown in a box meant to scare you. You know what I mean? Like, bro. Anyways, so but to 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 say ultimately, we don't have the basic stuff dialed in. And so now we're gonna try to get fancy with a new vaccine and doing the thing that we've been doing historically, which is masking the symptom. When we're talking about mask, we're literally masking the fucking symptom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the symptom is the dis-ease that we're constantly in from the environmental interactions we have with our food, with our air, with our love, with every aspect of being our own ecosystem interacting with the ecosystem of the world and that's it i want to talk i want to talk and i know we're, we're already at, at 90 minutes and I, and I love that we're, we're continuing to go here but you've so we've talked about one of the three different recommendations that kind of that we're saying instead of worrying about the big issues like we've been talking about let's just focus on mass all right there's the other two one as as i did don't hold another person's hand you know for sure not and also make sure that you maintain at least six feet distance. So what have you uncovered in the clinical research about spreading it through like holding somebody's hand or you know how the viral how the particles travel more than six feet or less than six? I mean, do they magically stop at six feet? The virus is like, oh fuck, six feet. That's all I got. <laughs> That's all I got. Like you're running a marathon and it's just like all viruses like crap pop crap out at the five and a half foot mark they're like i'm exhausted bro i can't i can't make it six feet <laughs> gotta lower the rim you know, bring it <laughs> yeah, down to exactly. eight feet i could dunk my ass off <laughs> um, so here's the thing and this is going back again to very basic things but this is going to bring to bring to light something so powerful and so important uh and what we're continuing to do today we still have not learned the lesson and that's part of life is like if you do not learn the lesson Life is going to keep presenting it to you, hitting you with it harder and harder over and over again. So I'll share the study with you. So this was published in PLOS One, Public Library of Science. They set out to examine if the use of face mask and hand hygiene reduced the rates of influenza-like illness and laboratory-confirmed influenza in the natural setting. So this was a cluster randomized intervention, and this was designed involving uh, about 1,200 people. The participants were assigned to either wear a face mask and hand hygiene group where they're, you know, they got a specific protocol of washing their hands, a face mask only group or a control group who weren't instructed to do anything specific during the study. There was nothing to comply to. Now, here's what the study found. At the end of the study, after all the data was compiled, the researchers stated that, quote, we observed a substantial 43% reduction in the incidence of influenza infection in the face mask plus hand hygiene group compared to the control. But this estimate was not statistically significant, but it is something. Now, here's the most important part. They found there were no substantial reductions in influenza-like illness or laboratory-confirmed influenza in the face mask only group compared to the control. That reduction in infection was from washing your hands. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, this I can get into because this goes back to the beginning when we're talking about the inception of the germ theory and how we think we're so evolved now, but we're doing the same shit. Dr. Inez Simmelweis, all right, 
probably one of the most gangster name ever. Okay. You can't have a name like that and not face bullies and make it through that shit. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Inez yeah. Simmelwise. He was noticing in his hospital that they were losing a lot of mothers during childbirth and, you know, losing children as well. But he noticed that the people who were giving birth solely with the midwife had much lower mortality rate during childbirth than the physicians. And so he started to experiment and try different things, look at different things, different data points. And one of the things that stuck out to him that became the hallmark of the work is that during this time, you know, this was back earlier in the 1900s, the physicians would go and like do autopsies and they're like tinkering with dead bodies and they'd be called up and they'd deliver a baby. Just go right from that to that. No hand washing. They got the cadavers they're, they're messing with and then they go and deliver babies. And he found that that was the, the only major difference between the physicians and the midwives. So what he starts to employ was different trials of hand washing and hand hygiene. And lo and behold, the mortality rate, infant mortality rate, mothers during childbirth mortality rate just tanked. It dropped. So many more women, were their lives are being saved through this practice of hand washing. And he published his research, pressed it out everywhere, was like trying to let all the medical community know, hey, we've got to make sure that we ha- practice some basic hygiene here with our hands. There's some kind of transfer happening with microbes that are causing issues. And man, Dr. Simmelwise was literally, I mean, he was hammered. The medical community, massive smear campaigns, you know, of course, calling him a quack and a lunatic. And there's no, there's nothing to back up his science, even though he was publishing data to affirm what he's found. And they hated him. The industry hated him because they they had their status quo. This is the way Mm -hmm. we've always done things. You're fucking up our flow. Lo and behold, later on, of course, has become accepted as common knowledge of washing your hands. But the first person to say it was widely hated. And he was even forced to be institutionalized. He received so much hate. Threats. His career just didn't exist anymore. The first person to speak out. And here we are. But now it's common knowledge. And what, one of the funny things is that Lancet study that I mentioned earlier that, you know, is being pr- pushed out now is like, this is the one proving mass is so effective that are based on observational studies, 172 observational studies. Okay. Again, this is not a randomized controlled trial. So right away, I'm already like, ah, but when you go and actually look at these studies, Aubrey, and I'm going to come back to this, they're, they're putting data in here themselves, reminding people on accident and this is something we're not really tripping off of right now. It has not even been confirmed that COVID-19 is spread through the airborne route. And they published more studies in this report showing that it's not than it is. All right. So that even in and of itself isn't even confirmed. But in this report, there was another study that found that with included with hand washing, um, when we're looking at hospital settings, they found that at this particular hospital that they were monitoring, that, okay, yeah, the use of an N95 mask, again, seems to be effective, but the rates of infection 
in parts of the hospital where there's predominantly male physicians, the rates of infection were so much higher. And I was like, what? Why is that? Well, it's because dudes are notorious for not washing their fucking hands. All right? And now, and I'm not just going to say this. Let me give people this data point because this is, this is real important and actually quite shocking. So what they did was, and this was tracking at a busy, a quote, busy highway rest stop. Uh, and by the way, like to set this up, like they had like a little kind of monitor, you know, that can track when people are coming in and using the soap and whatnot. Let me find this study. Where is it? Where are you? And then as we're waiting, you know, the question is, <laughs> the interesting question I've always had is, do you wash your hands when you go to the restroom? Do you wash it before you go pee or after you go pee? Right. Because do you, do you want, do, would you rather transfer everything to your dick as you're shaking it off? <laughs> yep. Or would you rather, you know, do it afterwards? And, and I'm, my dick is really clean. You know, it's just sitting in my underwear <laughs> the whole time. So really what I want to do is I actually like to wash before I go in yep. there because if anybody else is going to, you know, get access to my dick. I don't want that thing to be all, all germified. You know, I'm going to wash beforehand. And then after I touch my, I'm fine. I don't pee on my hands. I'm, not, like, I'm, a, I'm a 39-year-old man. I figured that out. If I pee on my hands, well, I'm, I'm aware of that scenario. <laughs> so dude, we're in the same camp. I wash before. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense to me. You know, because my hand, you know, you, you touch all kinds of stuff. So here's what they found. And this was published in the American Journal of Public Health. They set up tracking devices at a busy highway rest stop that monitor how many people entered the bathrooms and how often the soap dispensers were used. The study found that only 31% of men use soap and 65% of women wash their hands with soap. And another study, this was published in the Journal of Environmental Health, they had an inconspicuous bathroom monitors to track the hand-washing frequency of thousands of people in public restrooms. The study found that approximately 15% of men didn't wash their hands at all, compared to 7% of women. And only 50% of men use soap compared to 78% of women. But overall, by the way, only 5% of people using the bathroom wash their hands uh, uh, effective enough to actually kill germs that cause infections. Now, there's a balance here to this too. We don't want to become neurotic, hand washing, you know, um, and dealing with this kind of agoraphobia about hands in our, in our own bodies and being able to touch ourselves and other people. However, I'm not going to like, I'm going... Shaking hands, kissing babies, you know, we're at a, an event, 50 people, and then sure. I'm going to go and like dig into the guac and chips, you know, like, let me, yeah. let me hit that hand sanny or like wash my hands for, sure. for something like that. Right. But in this context, what they found was male, the, the male dominant wards of the hospital had higher rates of, of COVID infections. And so just keeping all of this stuff in context, doing some of the basics right? Hand washing is found to be more effective than wearing a mask. Without mm. the hand washing, wearing the mask was found to be ineffective, you know? So just- little... So it seems like, it seems like there, there is some good research behind actual touch transmission of COVID. So washing your hands actually, so one of these arms actually is, is fairly effective, is helpful. Yeah. It is helpful to wash your hands. Have you found anything, because people are talking about, you know, this could live on surfaces. People are not only washing their hands, but spraying everything down. So what is, what is, what is anything that you've uncovered about 
the way that the virus lives on surfaces. And I also want to go back to what you were talking about, it not have actually having been shown to be airborne and transmit that way in the first place, because that would speak to the six foot distance. And I definitely want to get that as well, just so I can really canvas what you've been able to uncover in your research. Sure. So one study, and there, there's fewer of these than affirming the opposite, but one of them, uh, this was published in Emerging Infectious Diseases, and they went into a COVID patient's room and they found that there was COVID particles everywhere. It was on the trash can, on the computer mice, and the handrails, in the air. And when they tested the air around the COVID patient itself, they noted that COVID patients in the ICU in general wards obtained positive test results in 35 of the air samples. All right. So these are people in intensive care. So they've got higher rates of infection, more symptoms. In the general wards, they found it in the air 12.5% of air samples. Now, keep in mind, seriously, if COVID is like this, you know, this is the 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 thing that is this is the candy man of diseases. 12%, 35% is still it's not that high, but it is to be concerned. Okay, there is some air transmission. But what they noted in the study was that the dominant place of it is is on the floor, right? And so if you're not like licking your sneaker, like Fat Joe, like that iconic, <laughs> you know, like the, you yeah. don't really have to worry about it. But that's just one. Now listen to this. This was in the same Lancet study that, again, is being pushed out, censoring videos that are backed by peer-reviewed randomized controlled trials like the MaxFax video is taken down off YouTube within 30 minutes. But then YouTube is playing these little bullshit commercials and then referencing the Lancet as why you need to put on your mask as soon as you set foot outside your door. In their, in their own study, this was reference uh, number five, by the way, if you want to follow along, but this was published in Infection Control and Hospital Epidemiology. They made a special note that 413 healthcare workers caring for confirmed cases of COVID-19, 11 had unprotected exposure. Unprotected. They're, you know, they're lost in the sauce, Aubrey. Mm -hmm. Yet none of them contracted an infection. That's interesting. I thought this was just super highly contagious. So they were, so they were all in the air that has the particles. Now listen and to some this. were even unprotected in the air, but they weren't getting it. Now listen to this. They collected air samples 10 centimeters from the COVID patient's face. Eight air samples repeated. They kept testing. They kept testing because they couldn't find any of the virus particles in the air in any of the air samples. All right. Oh, by the way, the Lancet study is funded by the WHO. And they're dominating... Yeah. You know what I mean? Dumbass. Just so dumb. And they're publishing this stuff themselves. Anyways, sorry. Much love. Much love. Sorry. Okay. Now, here's another one. Oh, this was good, too. Um, oh, this one's so good. There's so many. I'll just share one more. Mm-hmm. This was published in Science of the Total Environment. And the, the researchers noted, we investigated the air of patients' room with confirmed COVID-19. All air samples were taken two to five meters from the patient's bed, all of the air samples they took from throughout their room were negative. All of them. And they said, our results concur with recent data published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, which indicated SARS-CoV-2 could not be transmitted by an airborne route. 
This exists. This exists. Suggesting that the airborne transmission is not driving the pandemic. This exists. Why is nobody talking about this? That's why we're wearing a mask. Right. Again, and I'm cool. Like we can have some conflicting data. If we have conflicting data, then let's talk about it. Let's not just go balls to the wall. Like the mask is some savior. We're missing the point here. I thought that COVID-19 is the most infectious. Like it's just, it doesn't care. You know, it's just running around like Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, fucking everybody up, knocking coins out of them. You feel me? Like Mm -hmm. that's how it's positioned when in reality, it's not quite what we've been told. And this gets into, well, what about all the cases? What about all of the, 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 the deaths? These are other things that we have to discuss. It's not as black and white as it seems. It's nuanced. We yeah, were talking about this. discussion. Just what you were talking about, you said in there were the first studies you were talking about, it sounded like they did discover it in air particles. Mm-hmm. And then there's other studies where they can't find it right. even eight centimeters apart. So what we're what you're highlighting is that there's really conflicting data and there's nothing that's actually pointing to, first of all, that the that there's enough of these particles in the air to actually cause infection. That was the one study with the unprotected people who were breathing the air. The other one is sometimes they can find it in the air, sometimes they can't even find it, but it's been inconclusive as to whether the particles in the air are actually causing it or not. And also presumably inconclusive because they were, if they were testing between two and five meters, well, that's six to 15 feet, you know, right? Like, so there's this six feet thing is also not anything that's backed where they're like, we measured it at five feet, found certain particles. And at five feet, people were getting infected at 15 feet, you know, people were not getting infected. So six foot is the distance. It's just an arbitrary number. It's just, let's, uh, what do you, what do you say? I don't know. Four feet. Like, nah, that's not enough. Six feet. Yeah. Yeah. Six feet. That's, that sounds good. But that's, that'll be trotted out as science. But where's the science to show that six feet matters. First of all, there's not enough science to show that any feet matter, that it's even airborne. Second of all, there's no science to show that six feet versus six inches is any fucking different. Yeah, dude. And when it comes down to it as well, and you know, again, talking with top epidemiologists, they told me in the very beginning, you know, when we're looking at these infection rates and these quote, you know, confirmed cases, he was like, whenever we have confirmed cases with any uh, viral spread in general, it's that number, just say, you know, it's 15 million people have contracted a virus. It's generally 10 to 15 times more people have contracted the virus. So we're talking 150 million people, right? Yeah. And that that plays out, but everybody's not getting tested, right? And so then when that happens, the, the mortality rate starts to crash when you truly understand how many people have been infected with a certain thing. And it makes it so much less scary, but you don't hear that. We've got a... And they still are doing this. They have a, there's a death toll ticker on the news, just showing, racking up the dead bodies. But they're not showing how many people live. Because, I mean, we're talking somewhere around 99%. It could be more, could be a little less. But that's not the point either. Because even when we're talking about that number of how many, quote, survivors there are, we're missing out on the fact that the mortality rate, again, and how, how it's been coded, Physicians sharing with me, again, they've never been instructed or massaged to specifically put the cause of death for an infectious disease before when it's not confirmed. But they're like, 
regardless, but still, if they have COVID, put it on the on the certificate. They're, they've never received, a, you know, pamphlet, you know, PDF in their e- inbox from these, you know, governmental bodies to code differently. And so and they're financially incentivized to code it. And this goes into a whole, this goes into a whole rabbit hole. We don't even have time to go. I mean, if you code something as a COVID death or a suspected COVID death, there's a different insurance, you know, repayment for that, for the hospital. So not only are they encouraged and which has been shown, but they're also rewarded for doing that. Unfortunately, so th- that's the way our system is structured, man. You know, it's, it- and so what this all leads us is like, all right, let's all just open our mind. You know, let's let's get rid of these initial blush reactions to get angry and to call somebody a super spreader and to get all aggressive with what we think and send and then say, God science told us, well, let's take a look at it. You know, I mean, at a certain point, all religions were were recommending all kinds of wacky things. You know, let's throw this woman in a river. If she drowns, she's not a witch. And if she swims, she's a witch. And then we'll burn her on the stake. Like, that's an extreme example of religious belief then being adopted by people yeah yeah throw her in the river it's a death sentence either way it's crazy right but people would just believe that and that was just part of the zeitgeist and you go along at some point no matter what you know this is not that extreme granted but we just got to have questions questions that are able to be asked information that's able to be spread you know the censorship of your video the censorship of everybody talking about it i would suppose that even you know this might get censored even though this has been an incredibly nuanced discussion talking about certain efficacy of n95 in these specific cases while not efficacious in intermittent use and then the the absolute lack of efficacy and the exacerbation of infection from certain cloth masks and then hand you know hand transmission it's a very nuanced discussion but nuance is not not what's happening right now right now it's just emotion reaction and aggression and that's really no way to solve any problem or to look at any situation absolutely man if if anything i hope that this experience encourages more humanity like i i truly truly do believe that uh is giving us a great opportunity to see where we think we're so evolved we think we have certain things figured out but we really don't and we can look at the results for themselves. You know, we are infighting like freaking babies, like children, you know. But children are better than us, actually. We're not being good examples to our children. And we're making sure. our children not be children. And for what? Like at the end of the day, can we talk about all of the different pieces? When we make decisions like this to shut down our economy, to keep people away from their loved ones, their friends and family, are we causing more harm than good? Is simply asking that question. And I think that when these decisions were made, this was not incorporating a, a, a well-rounded, holistic perspective of all the different pieces, you know? And that's what we, we have to learn from this because the next infectious disease is coming and the next and the next. I even published data, you know, in the, in the documentary showing that, you know, one of the things about the, the vaccine that they're working on now to try to figure out why you probably need multiple doses or you get your COVID-19 shot every year along with your flu shot is that, you know, well, this is going to be different because your know, flus, they, they, they mutate, right? That's why you got to, you know, it's a different strain every year. That's why you got to get your flu shot. They've been doing this for 80 years, 80 years. They still haven't even figured the fucking flu out. All right. Now with COVID-19, it's like, well, okay, well, 
It's different from the flu because, you know, the flu mutates. Actually, and I again published data on this, it's already mutated multiple times because that's what viruses do. That's how that's nature works. But we yeah. adapt as well. If given the opportunity and if we are allowed to have the conditions within our bodies and our environments that encourage health and the defense against any and all things that we're exposed to, this is where our attention needs to be. No one can argue with that. The argument comes up of, well, we can't do it overnight. We've had time. And guess what? If we don't do something now, more time is going to go by. Years are going to go by and people are still going to be missing the point. We have to change the way the system works at its core, which is to finally for us to encourage and support human health, human connection, real food, real access and connection to nature and the things that make us human, real connection and access to each other. Uh, one of the most disheartening things that I heard, and I saw the transcript first and I couldn't believe it, so I went and looked at the transcript. You know, one of the major public health officials, uh, officials. I'm not going to drop any names because, you know, it's like, you know, with the rap song, like, I'm not, I'm not even giving you my shine in my song, you know. Yeah. But one of the people that's on the podium, he said that one thing's for certain, we should definitely never shake hands again. One thing's for certain, we definitely shouldn't be touching other people. He said this. He said, never again. If you are, he's got the ear of hundreds of millions of people and they're hearing that. What does that encourage within humanity? To be afraid of each other, to have agoraphobia, to be afraid of ourselves and our environment. We cannot have people in positions of power who use their words lightly and say nefarious things like that. It's wildly inappropriate. Yeah. You know, so we have yeah. to take back control of our minds, take back control of our, our bodies, the, our, our environment, help Instead of hiding from your neighbor, go for a six feet distance walk with them. Go and check on your neighbor. Make sure that they're getting good sleep. See how they're doing with their stress. That is an act of love. Putting on a fucking mask, that is an easy out. That's not really doing anything to help anybody. And that's what the data shows. And that's what I'm going to stand here firmly and say today. A real act of love is helping out your fellow humans who need you right now, standing up and speaking up for what's real and what's right. Love is an action. Love exists, but hiding out from each other is not helping. Hiding out from each other and pointing the, the finger at those who choose to live and to be a free human being and to love and to connect, to point the finger at that and to say that's wrong, man, we've got some work to do. But I'm grateful to be able to do this work, to have you here with me, you know, arm to, to arm. Hand, brother. And, uh, to you know, end. this is why we're born. We're born for this moment, man. I'm grateful to be alive right now. Me too. I wouldn't, you know, it's as challenging as it is, you know, if we were sitting up there and whatever hypothetical great beyond and looking out and be like, oh, wow, we can go to the earth in this time and there's going to be immense challenge and immense beauty and we're going to be able to give everything we got and just maybe just maybe it'll be enough to win the day and we'd look at each other and be like hell yeah let's go let's go and uh and one thing i know about you i've known you a long time now is that everything that you do is motivated because you genuinely love people 
you know you really love people and you're here for people and i just deeply appreciate that and myself as well and you know for everybody out there who's listening who loves people you know put your fear on the shelf and just focus on that love and focus on opening your mind and and see where that takes you you know get rid of all of the conditioning and dogma look deeper love harder and you know that's the that's going to shape this new world that we're all excited about yeah big facts man yeah so much love brother anything uh obviously the model health show um people check that out for sure the masks facts documentary is great if people want more and to go deeper uh where else can people kind of look at some of your work yeah definitely the biggest platform where i pour my heart and soul into is my show is the model health show and uh, you can find me anywhere you're listening to this podcast you can find me and uh my home online is themodelhealthshow.com all my social media is there and the documentary is there as well so it's again themodelhealthshow.com forward slash mask facts the documentary is there all of the studies and i even did a brand new complimentary video to help people to understand the research to be able to look at deflection points contradictions within the data so that we can have healthier conversations amen to that so much love to you brother i appreciate you infinitely and thanks everybody for tuning in we'll see you next week thank you for tuning into this show with sean stevenson i would love to hear your thoughts on social media i love you guys and i'll see you next week